Welcome or welcome back to CSM Toolbox. My next guest is Philip Wolf. As the CEO of Costify, Philip helps SaaS businesses deliver great results for customers. After seeing companies spend big money with no systematic approach to customer success, Philip knew something had to change. He founded Costify to provide a tool that lets agents spend time with clients instead of organizing CRM data. He'll be telling us more about it and his journey next. Join me and let's open that toolbox. So the way that you define health, of course, is very subjective and is depending a lot on the business itself and on the key value that this business provides. How are you? Welcome to CSM Toolbox. How are you today? Thank you, Isabel, for having me. I'm very well. I hope the same is for you. Yeah, all good. So yeah, just maybe kicking things off from looking at your profile, your experience and Costify in this case. If you could please tell us what problem is Costify trying to solve? Absolutely. So yeah, we are a customer success platform. I guess the audience might have stumbled across this term. So what are we trying to solve or how we help our customers? Basically, where the CRM stops, basically after the sales close the deal or after someone signed up on your website, that's where Castify comes in. So we give you insights in which customer needs your attention most, how is the onboarding going, which customer is up for renewal, how do they use the product. So basically everything a customer success team has to do on a day-to-day basis, that is where Castify assists them. It also has automations in the background that run that would basically give them tasks. Say, hey, this customer didn't log in for two weeks or hey, this customer's up for renewal or these guys used all the seats they have so there's potentially an upsell opportunity. So those kind of, how we call them, playbooks. So these automations that run in the background, they are also some that Castify help the teams doing. So getting an overview about existing customers and efficiently handling them. And uh, yeah, what you or the audience or someone who, who works in this in the beginning to really does with spreadsheets or multiple tools, logs in in the CRM, logs in in the payment gateway, logs in in the support ticketing system, and then even in getting some usage data from some kind of a database and then putting it is all in the spreadsheet. That is kind of how you can imagine Castify. I'm a big fan of like when it comes to automation, chatbots, anything that can help and can benefit yeah. that well, that customer journey, not only benefit, of course, customer success managers and their leaders out there, but as well, just the function in itself of a customer engagement. Yes. Yeah. You, you said one important topic. So customer journeys, that's of, of course also something. In, for some of our customers, these are rather simple things, like two or three steps a customer should do in the onboarding to get the first value from the product. In other cases, for example, we have a food delivery platform where a restaurant signs up and then this restaurant has to go through 15, 16 steps, delivery radios, opening times, upload the pictures and so forth. And only if they do all those 15 steps, they will actually be able to use the product. So Castify in this case is used very uh, targeted towards making sure that these things are all done. And if they break at some point in time, let's say the restaurant owner signs up and he forgets to continue and he has a phone call. And then after that, he focuses on something else. They can directly follow up and say, hey, please click here, follow up and yeah, finish the onboarding so you can get get the value from the product. So that is, uh, is a good point. Yeah, and even just to, to the point of the customer journey as well, what have you learned, uh, Philip, from uh, your customers' feedback so far? Well, I think we are one of those uh, companies that when you, when you think about customer success, we, of course, 
practice what we preach if you want. So we have a uh, customer success team that works hand in hand with the clients, with our customers from day one. So that's a little bit different, I guess, to, to others uh, where you have a self-sign onboarding process or these kinds of things. We really take them by the hand and uh, walk them through and through the entire journey with us. So we make sure they onboard correctly. We set up the platform. Of course, during that time onboarding and later on product usage when we have QBRs and so forth, we get uh, a good feedback from our customers like, how about this feature? How can I solve this business case? And if we don't have a way to do it in the product as of now, then we probably come up with a proposal like, hey, would that work for you? So when you ask me about that, we get a ton of feedback all the time from our customers to improve the product, to have new features, new functionalities. So we learn a lot uh, and refine a lot the, let's say, impressions that we have so far how customer success team work and of course you get a good picture but also things evolve over time so there are new startups new scale-ups that we have as in our customer base that do things slightly different than probably a more enterprise oriented customer that has i don't know 25 30 uh, years of history already uh, where processes are uh, already very mature and the other guys they start fresh so also learning in a sense of what customer success teams actually do with their customers, how do they work, that is something where you can still learn, even if we talk to hundreds of customers, like in our case, you can still learn something like um, process-wise or, or these things. And we try, of course, to share this with our customer base. So we have a blog where we put all these learnings and best practices out there. So yeah, that the other customers can potentially benefit from these learnings. So it's not just products and improvements and processes, but it's also like best practices and yeah, what do we see the most successful teams are doing and how do they handle churn and how do they uh, handle offboarding is a very uh, interesting topic that we recently went a little bit more into detail, like what's a proper offboarding session, what's the information that you should gather and so forth. So yeah, we learn a lot We from our customers. We live from them, from their ideas. That's what makes the product great, that it makes the business great. So yeah, definitely a lot of things. As you mentioned now about, first of all, that segmentation, you will have those resources available to customers, regardless if they might be a mature organization or a startup, but you do have that for them available. Right. Yeah, yes. no, definitely that self-serve as well, because I, I will say that not only you are in a way freeing up time for your customer success managers to have more strategic conversations with us segments or a portion of the book of business but at the same time those resources are helping in guiding the other segments that will be sometimes more of that self-serve and uh, low touch as it is sometimes going in some places 100 percent correct yeah no that makes sense and i was also looking at i think it was around march of april time maybe er even earlier in the year that you hosted a webinar where you were talking about health scores. And I know, right. I'm sure you have seen as well on LinkedIn and many blog posts uh, around this topic. So could you please remind us, because I, I, I remember seeing this from one of your slides that it was mm -hmm. very interesting, uh, the examples that you gave about good versus bad health scores. Yes. I mean, health scores in general, that is something that if you if you look into our notes that our sales team is taking, to the first question, like, wh why do we actually talk? Like, why did you reach out to us? How can Castify help your business? I want to know the health of my customers. So this health scoring is something fundamental that, that most of the customers want to do. And it's mostly also named as the first thing besides, of course, renewals, upsell and so forth. But I want to understand the health of the customer. So this 
health scoring is a central element in Castify itself. The way, and this, this I guess is where your question goes, the way that you define health, of course, is very subjective and is depending a lot on the business itself and on the key value that this business provides. So if you take an Uber, the key value is that you get from A to B uh, and you get safe from A to B and you get quick from A to B. So there are some sub KPIs there. If you order food, then if you think about this example that I gave you before, for a restaurant, if they adopt the software, the key metric is that they get orders. If they don't get orders, why would I have the software in my kitchen that uh, accepts the orders, right? So they have to have the orders but then there are other things like waiting time of the customer, feedback of the customer, and so forth. So these health scores, these KPIs that you measure for, for customers, they are very subjective and they have to be tailored towards each individual customer. Now, when, when we talk about good health scores or yeah, not so good examples, the other thing that we asked once the customer actually is in our onboarding, when it gets a bit more concrete and many of our customers in the first phases, they have a good idea about their customer health score to some sort at least. 90% of the CSMs told us, I want to track logins, right? So uh, how often does someone log into your product? And unfortunately, this is one of those examples that are not really good um, when it comes to customer health. Why? Because nobody buys your product to log in. There is rarely a product, we have a few customers where this is true when it's about, for example, looking at the dashboard, where I log in, I look at the dashboard, I leave, fair. But in almost all the other cases, it. Nobody buys the product to log in. They have some other things. Also, I want to know how long they spend in my application. Now, logins and also this average time in the product or the number of users per organization, these kind of things, they are good indicators in a sense of if someone logs in, obviously he's interested and he didn't completely lose track of me and I'm somewhere on his radar. However... Better health scores are always tied towards the, the value proposition of your product. So what, why, what's the pain that you solve? What's the pain your product solves? And sometimes it's one key thing. Sometimes it's several, but typically it's, there's one or two things, the main reasons why people bought your product in the first place. And these are the right things regarding health. Like these should have the primary influence on your health. Also, number of tickets is also something. I, I, I know some customers track number of tickets in HubSpot. And if it's more, it's not a good sign. This is absolutely not true. This is, again, it's an indicator if someone has tickets. But we have also completely the opposite examples. So if there's a customer who's completely silent, he will never reach out to your uh, support team. Is that a good thing? Most likely not. So people that are engaged um, with you, they give you feedback and these support tickets are typically, hey, how can I do that? Or I found out that this doesn't work. Can you explain to me? So some people are engaged with you. So it's a good sign. So the sheer number of uh, support tickets is really not an indicator at all if this customer is healthy or not. Of course, the CSAT that they give you after the support ticket is solved, the time that it took to resolve it, the number of unsolved support tickets eventually that are unsolved for longer than X. Okay, that might be having an influence on the health score, but just looking at the number of support tickets is not going to bring you anywhere. And those would be examples for not so good health scores, logins, number of tickets, these things, and better health scores are tied towards value that you provide. Do you provide value? So the key is like, do you provide value to your customers? This is the major thing for churn. You do not provide value. You cannot provide the value to your customer for whatever reason. That's a different story. Like, why do I not provide value? Well, because the setup, they did never onboard. It was a wrong sale from the beginning, so they should never have been your customer because you cannot solve their pain. Also an option, right? So there's a longer list of things why you cannot provide value. But if you provide the value, then your customer can be considered 
to a good portion healthy. Then there are other things, of course, that is like to be really, really healthy and expanding. There have to be other factors, but the primary thing to solve first is provide value. Once you have solved this one, you can look at the other things and, and fine tune it from the health perspective or customer. What, what are you what, trying to solve? Yeah, why why do I log in? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is what, what's behind those uh, work great points for sure. So I'll, I'll link the webinar as well in the show notes. They have a, a recap there from your webinar. Okay. Those were great points. From your experience as a founder and CEO, what skills do you think are essential to not just survive, but to thrive? As a, as a founder or as a customer success manager? As a founder. As a founder, oh wow, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough question. I think there are many things uh, that need to come together. Persistence, first of all, and staying on the topic. Of course, you get a lot of pushbacks from many. In the end, everybody's against you, right? You have, you have competitors, you have customers that you can't uh, make uh, successful with the product and so forth. So persistence, I think, is one of the key things as a founder. You just need to stick with it and have a belief that there is something that you can that you can do. Some of the founders I know had it, had a quite easy, let's say, life cycle so far with their products. Some others have it a bit tougher, but there's no one out there that would say, yeah, it was just like a piece of cake, uh, no problem. So you always uh, stumble across challenges. And it's, I guess, also the, the question, how do you uh, deal with them and have a positive mind and yeah, just like keep it, keep, keep going. And just like persistence, I think is the key thing to, to strive there. Like the, the tool set that you have to have as a founder, typically you have to have somewhat of a product understanding, right? So building a product, depending what you build, but if you build a product or a platform, even then you have to have some kind of an understanding of good UI UX, even though other people down the road will do it for you. But in the beginning, you typically don't start with like a, a 50 people team around you, but you're probably, probably rather like five or six. And then, yeah, building a great product, I think is key. And that's also what we focus on in Castify, like really building a good product versus just building a product because yeah, good products themselves, uh, they will do the marketing for you. You don't even have to do something like uh, it's just word of mouth in the end. And that's, that's the beauty of having something uh, built that, that is, that's really strong. But yeah, getting there is not going to be easy. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. There is no no reason to sugarcoat Philip no. for those. <laughs> no, there's sleepless nights and many of those things as well. Absolutely. Uh, I can imagine. And now that you were mentioning about products and even just having that, I will assume here that products led growth mindset. Yeah. What are your thoughts between, and I have asked this to other uh, co-founders as well, or founders, what are your thoughts between customer-led growth versus product-led growth? Are they mutually exclusive? What are your thoughts on that? No, I don't think they're mutually ex exclusive. I just think the product-led growth, it, it also depends. Like, uh, do you have 10 million of funding or do you rather go and say, I want to be my own boss and not work for someone else anymore, right? So this is a question. Of course, if you have like a huge funding, you have different options. But in general, the product-led growth, the advantages are that like once this wheel is spinning, it really works. Like you don't have to, I mean, otherwise you have to have the fear that only if I do this and that, I can actually acquire customers or keep customers, right? So always have this, if that, only that, only this. And if I stop paying for the ads, I will stop getting customers. If I stop 
doing the discounts, I will get the no more uh, new leads and so forth. So I think once you have a great product, it's much more comfortable because you are in a much stronger position because your product is really solving a problem. It's a really a good problem. And it's it's a nice way to grow. That would be my my comment that I have on this one here. So if, if that makes sense. It does. And quite insightful. And just before I let you go, Philip, uh, this is something that I like to ask all of my guests. So what's in your toolbox other than Costify, of course, what mobile or web app you cannot live without? And it can be work and not work related. Uh, yeah, good question. If it's just one, it's probably Slack. So absolutely, we, I mean, in Castify itself, it's also integrated. So we get all the notifications and the mm. alerts and stuff like that. We get from Castify sent to Slack directly. We as a team use Slack and we have Slack channels with our customers. So that means we support our customers typically if they are on Slack, at least we support them with private Slack channels that we share with them. So their team is there, our team is there. And that means Slack is really essential for us like before to run the business. If I, so if I pick one, it's, it's going to be Slack. And not work related? Not work related. That's a very good question. I was I was about to say WhatsApp, but that's not exactly right because um, um, yeah, <laughs> this is yet another communication channel. It's a good question. Yeah, it can be as well. <laughs> Any mobile app that you might use? Yeah, I guess I would often. I would tend to WhatsApp then. But other than that, <laughs> I would need to give it a little bit further thinking if I had to. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, come up with another tool. That's the most used tool outside of the work, at least, to do the communication with yeah. friends, family. Makes sense. Yeah, we try to remain communicated in many different ways if it's not Slack or WhatsApp. Yeah, and specifically in times of uh, COVID <laughs> when you are not able to meet you know, so easily, at least, and cannot yeah. travel just anywhere. And if your family, like in my case, is all around, then that is a must-have alternative these days. I agree with that. And if folks in the CS community will want to reach out, Philippe, what would be the best way for them to do that? I would say LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch. I'm there. I'm probably easy to find. So add me as a connection. Happy to start a chat there. Okay. Yeah. I'll link your uh, profile as well in the show notes. So it was a pleasure, Philippe, uh, to chat with you today. So uh, have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Isabel, for having me. Bye-bye. O podcast foi editado por Aerolitos, edição inteligente.